Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports between the really bad Boston Red Sox and the really good New York Yankees. Can you imagine I'm saying that after last week's show? But I am. We're here for our Sunday night, Monday morning rivalry show. We're going to talk all the things that we normally talk Red Sox, Yankees, Major League Baseball at large, anything on our minds. I have the normal Sunday night, Monday morning crew with me. My name is Pat. I'm here with John and Luke and Derek, and we're going to jump right into it. We're going to start, as always, with our first pitch, check in with these guys, see how they're doing, see what they're up to. Luke, I will start with you. Give me your first pitch. Oh, I'm hanging in there. I just took a whole bunch of Valium and washing them down with some uh, Sam Adams, so... It's um, I'm getting I'm getting by as as good as I can after the complete mess we all had to watch this weekend. I'm have I feel like it's f- three weeks ago again or whenever that was when they went when the Red Sox went to Tampa. Only now it's happened at Fenway Park. So I have been better. I have been much better. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Yeah, that was mine. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, uh, I know a big, I, I like, I like the pink. I don't know about you guys. I like when they do the pink socks and the pink bats and all that stuff. I'm into it. I think it's a nice little kitschy thing for the holiday. Derek, are you, um, as, as desperate about the Red Sox this weekend as Lucas? No, it's one weekend. I'm not losing my mind over it. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because like my sleep schedule's off, and I woke up at like. Wait, that your sleep schedule's time. off? I thought that was exactly what it always I... is. <laughs> okay. All right. Eh, no, it's all over the place normally. It's been. Wait, wait, it's wait. So it's off Monday because it's consistent. <laughs> it's consistent, yes, and it's consistently bad <laughs> right now. Normally, it's just all over the place. One day, I'll wake up at 6 in the morning. The other day, next day, I'll wake up at 2 in the afternoon. I have no clue. Um, but right now, it's been a little bit consistent waking up between 2 and 4.30 in the afternoon the last few days. So it hasn't been great in terms of the sleep schedule. Uh, so maybe that's why I'm not as down on the team right now. Uh, I think there are a lot, of, a lot of bright spots this weekend, especially when you look at James Paxton, Chris Saylor, some bright spots, definitely some low spots, but maybe it's me being an optimist as well at the same time. But uh, it's one weekend. They play Seattle next. I know Seattle's another team like St. Louis, supposed to be good, haven't gotten off to the greatest of starts, although they've turned it around more recently. Um, so we'll see what happens. It's, <laughs> but I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's one series. I mean, the Rays series in Tampa was one series, the Pirates series was one series. And they played well outside of those series so far this year. So, John, I'm going to check in with you for a minute. But, Derek, I want to quickly uh, divert from this conversation because uh, after the Game 7 between the Celtics and the Sixers today, I want to note that it is possible that one of us is 100% right when it comes to our NBA championship predictions. You predicted the Nuggets and the Heat. I predicted the Lakers and the Celtics. It is possible that one of us gets this completely right. And I'm thinking that we should make a bet on it. I'll let you sit on that when I go to John. <laughs> I'm not making a bet because I bet against the Celtics as we're I should try not to jinx I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I feel like, so I feel like, I don't now. know. So. All right, I'm John, just, go ahead. I'm just. 
No, because I'm not making a bet because then I'd have to. Well, guys, I'm doing good. I had a nice weekend. Kind of low-key. Nothing crazy. And Yankees did good, obviously, splitting a series with Tampa. Like I said a week ago, I said with Derek, during the week was going to be a good thing. So it was a good weekend from a baseball perspective. Uh, A good weekend overall. I don't watch a ton of TV outside of the Yankees and the New York Giants, occasionally a hockey game or a basketball game. Uh, I don't, so I'm not watching a lot of stuff on the side. Um, my kids watch the, get the control of the TV, so I don't get to watch my own stuff. That being said, I just kind of managed to be able to watch the first couple episodes of Chimp Empire over the past like week and a half. And if you guys aren't watching Chimp Empire, if our listeners aren't watching Chimp Empire, it's very interesting. It's crazy to see how close we are to chimpanzees in a lot of ways, right? Like... We're like, we got the brains, they got the brawn, and somewhere there's a gray area in the middle where we just kind of diverge. And I was going to be doing, if you guys are fans of our starting nine uh, columns on our BleacherBrawls.com website, there's some great ones, really cool X-Men one from this past week from Luke. But I think I have to do a conspiracy theory starting nine because I can see how aliens came down and messed with chimpanzees and made us. And that's where we come from. So I love a good conspiracy theory. And this show has really just sent me down that path. I'm expecting Joe Rogan to be talking about it soon too. (laughs) So uh, speaking of chimpanzees, uh, Luke, I'll go to you next. Uh, let's kick off our agenda for the night. I know that uh, you you are down bad after we, the the game the game three of this Red Sox Cardinal series is still going on right now. It's not looking good. Brazier's in down by five. Last time I checked, um, it's pretty much over. Looking like a sweep. I, I'm gonna pretty much stay out of this and let you and Derek go back and forth for a little while. I, I want to preface with I believe the St. Louis Cardinals should be a good team. Even though they're currently bad, they shouldn't be bad. They should be good. And so when you lose to these guys, I'm not going to be too bummed out about it. I feel like there, there are worse teams to get swept by. But, yeah, I mean, for you, this is, this is rock bottom on the 2023 season so far. It's, I don't know if it's rock bottom. The Tampa Bay series was rock bottom. This isn't that bad because they won eight in a row. And after the Tampa series, it looked like they were just going to be bad all season. And now there's, like Derek said, there's some, some rays of hope. You know, James Paxton did awesome Friday. Uh, really got a lot of help from a really atrocious umpire that was pretty much calling anything that was that the catcher was able to catch a strike. So I think that Paxton benefited a lot from that. I don't think he's that good as he was Friday, but, you know, he's throwing 97 miles an hour. He at least, there's one, um, there's at least one umpire that was, could be fooled into calling strikes uh, for him um, on pitches that were clearly not strikes. So, I mean, Paxton didn't get shelled. He, he did the complete opposite of that, so that's great. Chris Sale was dominant Saturday. Eight innings, um, nine strikeouts, I think, maybe one walk. Just gave up the one run on the homer to Arenado. That was all fantastic, and then Kenley Jansen just ruined it all each, twice in a row. Um, that 400th save Kenley Jansen had um, Wednesday night against the Braves was clearly all keyed up for that. Just 
looking to, you know, just locked in on that. I'm going to get my 400th save in Atlanta. I grew up loving the Braves. Uh, I played with the Braves last year, and he was he was incredible. He was hitting 98, 99 on the gun, uh, and he got that 400th save. Clearly, he was too amped up for that. He, he hadn't thrown 98, 99 miles an hour in like eight, nine years, something like that. So I was thinking, oh, geez, he's... he's um, you know, he's found something with his delivery or something. He's going to be even better than he was all season. You know, he just, he went, he took it too far uh, because he was all hyped up for that 400th save. And then we saw it Friday, even with the day off on Thursday, came in, no command at all, walking the ballpark, uh, throwing 93-94 instead of 98-99, let alone his normal 95-96, maybe 97. And... It was a terrible, terrible performance. And the thing is, I mean, Paxton got screwed twice. The Red Sox blew two saves in that game because Josh Winkowski, another guy who was lights out all season long, comes in with a two-run lead, I think, gives up a home run and three singles to the first four hitters he faces, lead gone. But then the Red Sox still fought back. They fought back from that. And they took the lead. They had a one-run lead going into the ninth. Then Jansen couldn't, you know, couldn't throw a strike. Then he gives up the home run to Gorman. Absolutely awful. It was only his second blown save of the year. But the thing is, the Saturday blown save, that's entirely on Alex Cora, in my opinion. That was an awful move to bring Kenley Jansen in for the save, even with the two-run lead instead of the one-run lead. Jansen did not belong out there. Clearly, he was he did too much on Wednesday. He was throwing too hard on Wednesday. He was gassed on Friday. And he needed at least a day off after Friday. But they have the two-run lead. Cora brings him in again. I understand wanting to let your guy get back on the horse again. But there was a game in the balance, an important game, because the series is on the line, because he lost the first game of the series. You have Chris Martin. You have John Schreiber in the bullpen, ready to come in there. And they're more than capable of getting those last three outs. And he goes to Jansen again, more of the same. Walk, he can't find the plate, walks the first guy on four pitches. Then he, th- these pitch clock violations, which a lot of people are blaming the pitch clock violations because it's a vague rule or whatever. Look, once it happens once, you walk up, you ask the umpire what you did wrong, and you don't fall for it again. So that's on Jansen too. There was an error, Kike Hernandez, with that throwing error too. That, you know, if he makes a good throw there, maybe they turn the double play to get out, to to come away with that win. He didn't do it, but he should have never been in that situation to begin with. Kenley Jansen, again, Nolan Gorman gets him for for a big hit, a double. It's, there was no reason that Kenley should have been out there. That's on Alex Cora, and there's no reason Kike Hernandez should have been in the position where he needed to make a perfect throw right there. Uh, on a bang bang play, he might have been the guy. Might have been safe anyway. I'm not going to expect Kike Hernandez to eat the ball there. No, he's not a loser. He's trying to win the game, so he's going to make the throw to try and get him out. And it just it it didn't work out. Nothing worked out well tonight. They're losing. Oh, they just got a little. Looks like they might have just gotten a little closer. It's six to three now. Um, unless this is going to get overturned as a foul ball on this home run, and Manuel Valdez just hit, but. Look, I know Jansen's going to get over it. I know he's going to move on from that. He's a professional. He's 35. He's not 39. 
but this really stings. And this is, they should be 24 and 16 right now looking to sweep the Cardinals. Instead, they're 22 and 18 looking to avoid a sweep at home. It happened with Pittsburgh earlier in the season. Nobody knew how good Pittsburgh was. Turns out Pittsburgh is really good. Now it's happening to the Cardinals. The Cardinals may be better than their record says, but they were 13 and 25 when they came into Fenway Park, and now they're about to sweep the Red Sox. It's atrocious. It's a huge step back. I got to see all the trolls on Twitter again. Oh, this Reds. Oh, Heim Bloom. It's all Heim Bloom's fault. All of a sudden, it again. is. It is it's, Heim Bloom's fault. I'm that soon to be in last place. Red Sox are in the situation they're <laughs> in. Right? No, it's not. No. So, Derek, I I'll let you go, but. Uh, I want to comment on that very quickly, which is... And this home run is a foul ball, by the way. It's getting called back. It's still 6-1. to Great. Uh, Kenley stunk on Friday, no doubt about it. Luke blames this one on Cora. Says he didn't have it on Friday. He shouldn't have been pitching on Saturday. If you have Martin, you have Schreiber in the bullpen. My opinion, you sign the perennial all-star closer to close out pretty much any time there's a save situation, even if he stunk the night before especially if you've been lights out all year long. Uh, your thoughts on that blown save and the, the many blown saves over the weekend. I agree with the premise of bringing Kenley in on the idea of, yeah, even though he had a bad night, bring him in. The only thing I don't like about bringing him in was, yes, the night before he struggled, which it's one thing to struggle as a pitcher. It's a different thing. When you throw 22 pitches as a relief pitcher and struggle. There's a difference between being a relief pitcher, giving up, throwing 12, 13 pitches. You get yanked after three hitters and that's it. Kenley Jan, that didn't happen to Kenley. He threw 22 pitches. All right, you're getting yanked. And remember, two days earlier, he threw 15 pitches. So now you're going to ask him to pitch a third time in four days. That's when it gets a little, especially coming off of rough performance, that's when it gets a little iffy. However, uh, I, like, I would have went with Chris Martin, but at the same time, I'm not upset at bringing Jansen in. I think they weren't even pitch clock violations technically. They were uh, – because it wasn't because of the pitch clock where it, the hitter, I guess, wasn't ready for the pitch, so Jansen couldn't throw it. And because he tried to start his motion before the hitter was ready, he got called a ball uh, before he even delivered the pitch, which – I mean, if the hitters, I, I mean, that that's the, the Cardinals gaming the pitch clock. I mean, they're allowed to do that. Is it annoying? Yes, they're allowed to do it. Uh, the second one I didn't think was a pitch clock violation at all or any violation. The first one I could see maybe. The second one I didn't think so. Uh, but overall, um, yeah, it, it was a weird weekend. And, and the Cardinals, like, yeah, they've had a rough start to the year, but – Heading into the series against Boston, they had won three of their last four. So, as of now, they've won five of their last six. If they win tonight, it'll be six of their last seven. This is not a Cardinals. This Cardinals team had some really, really, really big struggles earlier this year. And they had struggles winning the first game of the series. Their first 11 series of the season, they didn't win the first game. That already puts you in a hole in every single series you play. They finally won a first game of the series against the Cubs on Monday. So now they come into Boston after taking two out of three from the Cubs. And now, yeah, yeah, Red Sox probably should have won the first two games. The first game, I blame on the ball girl in the right field. 
down the right field line. I'm definitely going to use that excuse. Um, the second game, uh, it's just a bunch of different circumstances kind of added up. Kenley struggling. Uh, Justin Turner playing first base instead of Tristan Cassis because I think Cassis comes up with that ball at first base, which at the very least keeps it a 3-3 three to three game at the very least, if not turns the double play to get out of the game. But even if you want to say the runner would have been safe, keeps it at 3-3, three to three, right? So there are a bunch of different factors came into that second game. Sale was really good. I think that was a really nice bright spot to see. Really, really good dominant, like Luke said. Uh, James Paxton, the one thing I took away from James Paxton's start wasn't the fact that he get, went, what was it, five innings only giving up two runs. It was the fact he was still able to go five innings and only giving up two while having command issues with the secondary pitches. The fastball was on. The curveball and the cutter wasn't. And he was still able to get through five, only giving up two runs. When he gets that command, when he's got the command for all of his pitches going at once, I think you can see a James Paxton that can be a very, very solid contributor in the Red Sox rotation. Uh, because we saw it we saw it last night. I mean, not last night. Uh, Friday night. Paxton has been, you take out the, over this past week of starts, it's what, Sale, Bayo, and Paxton, one, two, three. Maybe you can argue Hauk three, Paxton, or whatever. Paxton's definitely in the top four. He's ahead of Kluber, ahead of Pavetta. So, He's probably not I though if that umpire is not calling that game. It, that was that was ridiculous. He had seven strikeouts. Six of them were looking, and at least four of them were on balls. That that guy called a strike. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, the umpire was calling it for both. Teams but right, but but I'm saying like I think the point, the yeah, but I'm saying that not the umpire was Paxton's not going to get that umpire that often. I got to assume. Yes, but he's also probably not going to have that bad of a command on his secondary pitches either and won't have to throw his fastball 60-something percent of the time either. That's So, yes, you take away an umpire that gave him a lot of extra strikes, but you add in the command of his curveball, the command of his cutter. So how do you, That's why he threw so many pitches. How do you agree because in principle on bringing Jansen in? Because with everything, with everything considered, the way he was throwing six miles an hour faster on Wednesday night because he was amped up uh, for getting his 400th save, that he hasn't thrown that long and that hard in so long, and then on, considering the complete lack of command he had Friday after throwing 22 pitches in a horrible blown save, how do you agree with bringing him out there Saturday? I mean, I'm not saying look, you can. You got a you got a closer. You can run him out there back to back games, but after after he looked so awful Friday night, and knowing everything you know about how we pitched Wednesday night, how in God's name can you be behind the idea of bringing him out there again Saturday? No, about what it says in principle. I if you have a, and not even Kenley, but if you have a closer that you believe is one of the best closers in baseball, even if he has a tough, has one bad game. You should still have enough faith in him to be able to go out and still get that next save, even if it is the next day. Now, in that, in that specific situation with Kenley, you look and go, like, I still look at it, and even at the time, I thought for sure they were going to bring out Chris Martin. Um, and I thought they probably should have, too. But, but Kenley's situation is a little bit different because he had the 400 save, and he was amped up throwing 98-99. And then his next outing, he's coming only throwing, what, 91, 92, right? So 
there is a little bit of a difference between having an elite closer that's okay one rough outing but he comes back the next day and there's a difference between that and what Jansen had with the massive right. low drop and the control struggles, if that makes sense. So in principle of bringing in an elite closer after a rough game, I, I'm okay with it. But in the specific Jansen case, considering all the factors around it, I would have leaned we're gonna, on someone else. We're going to break down relievers a little bit later. I, I want to talk a little bit uh, Yankees. And, and John, I, I just want to tee you up for this one because I got to get this off my chest Kike Hernandez is easily the worst defensive shortstop in yeah, all of baseball. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, he's Go. really not showing much leadership at being able to take over that position. Uh, the Red Sox, I I said this all last week. that Yeah, I think the Red Sox have a really, really good lineup, but there's going to be times where they're going to go cold, and this happened over last week. That's why Luke was gloating so much last week that the Yankees were in last place because he knew by this time, by this time this week, uh, the tide would be change, turning. The tide would be changing. That's not a real saying. It's the tide's turning. Um, I'm not the linguist that some of you guys are. Look, um, as far as the Yankees are concerned, it was a good weekend. It was a good week. Uh, you knew they were going to go play. They, they were playing. Wait a minute. No, we're not moving on yet. We're not moving on yet. John, you just said, oh, their lineup would go cold, and that's what happened here. What are you talking about? We're talking about Friday and Saturday where they had the lead going into the ninth inning with their with their elite closer coming in, and he blew, he'd blown one save all year, and he blew yeah. two saves. It's got nothing that's to do with the, the lineup. That's a good point. Your lineup hasn't even gotten cold yet, game. so you're not even that close to rock bottom. <laughs> I, I look. I guess yeah, John, I talk about the Yankees, time. please. I can't listen. Uh, I barely anymore. have enough time to watch the Yankees. Yeah, I'm not spending that much time against the Red Sox, other than checking to see Kike Hernandez is not leading them to victories, and Jaron Duran is no longer hitting 400. Um, but as far as the Yankees, right? So back to that. Yes, they played Oakland. Oakland was a bad team, and they swept Oakland, which is what they needed to do. Uh, so that was great. Uh, Oakland's a really bad team. And the Yankees went in there and swept them. So the doubt hats off to them. Then Derek and I were talking during the week about how the Yankees needed to at least split the series with Tampa Bay. And, you know, if you could win that series, that's fantastic. But at minimum, you had to split that series. You cannot lose a series to Tampa at home. You're just not going to gain that ground back. So the fact that the Yankees went out there and did split the series with Tampa, that's good. That's a real positive. Tampa is unquestionably the best team in the American League, probably the best team in baseball, and the Yankees aren't aren't that good yet. They're getting there and they're improving, but they're not on I don't feel that they're as good as Tampa right now. So splitting a series with Tampa was absolutely huge. And their lineup which had been cold, and I'm right about that one. The Yankees lineup had been cold previously. I do know that much. Uh their lineups finally started hitting this over this past week. While the pitching, starting the starting pitching anyway, has really struggled. So that's good to see that kind of balance where the starting pitching was carrying them early and now it's kind of switched. So if they can continue that trend where no one stays hot all season long, unless you're Aaron Judge in 2022 playing for a contract. Um, so just keep doing that. When the hitting's going good, the starting pitching can take its dip. When the starting pitching's doing good, the hitting takes its dip. You'll probably be all right. Um, as far as individual guys that I want to call out. Uh, you know, we haven't had Barnes on in a while. You know, obviously he's our friend. Can't wait to have him back. 
So I got to call it his guy, Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo had a huge week for the Yankees. He said several home runs, a couple big hits. He had an error that kind of helped cost the Yankees the game. Um, was it Friday night? Or no, Thursday night? Um, but really bounced back with a couple big hits, like a three-hit game on Saturday. Uh, he had two home runs one night. Did he had a home run today? It was like Anthony Rizzo was all over the place this weekend. He had a huge, huge series. Um, Anthony Volpe over the past week, man, this kid, a uh, couple home runs, which he wasn't expecting that much power. He had a couple home runs, including a grand slam, and they're coming in big moments. Today, he hit a two-run home run when they needed it. Um, and then Harrison Bader coming back. Like, this guy has been a spark plug. He's everything. When the Yankees got Josh Donaldson and they wanted that, like, extra, like, like oomph to the team, like that extra fire. Like Harrison Bader's been everything that they wanted out of Josh Donaldson. So that's great that they finally got that part of it right. Um, just Donaldson's been amazing, and he's clutch, man. Donaldson is really, really clutch. Or Donaldson Bader is really, really clutch. Donaldson's trash. Bader's a clutch though. I like Bader. Uh, Torres had a pretty decent street game this week. Uh, or as Waldo Cabrera. Um, kind of finally shedding that slump that he really was dug himself in a hole earlier in the season. He seems to be coming out of it and gaining his confidence and putting the ball in play and getting some hits. And then Aaron Judge is back. He came back from his injury, had a two-home run game. I, I'm i not into moral victories like Luke over there, so I don't want to say... Yeah, I'm just making that up. I don't want to say that um, the fact that, like, the Yankees, every game they played with Tampa is close, and they've all been one-run games. And Aaron Judge almost hit a home run today that would have uh, tied the game for the Yankees. So it's like, it's so close. You can see they're about to break out. It feels like they're about to break out. So all in all, I'm just really happy with this team right now. Um, they're showing fight, come from behind win the other day, like, you know, digging themselves into a hole today and fighting back. Again, I guess it's more of a moral victory, so I don't want to give them too much credit. But the team's showing some fight. So uh, all in all, man, it was a, a really good week. Yeah, go ahead. Can, can I add on to John, what John said too? Because yeah, because yeah, the Yankees had a good week. Playing Oakland definitely helps. I mean, the Red Sox don't play Oakland until July, which I'm a little upset about. They play them twice in July, though. Um, I wish the Red Sox could play them right about now instead of playing St. Louis. Um, but I, I think too, I, John and I talked about it. The AL East is just the stupidest division ever, and. I'm starting to believe that there's a chance you could see, like, all five teams be near 90 wins, not even just over 500. You might even see all five teams near 90 wins. And if one of those teams misses the playoffs, which they would, one team would be forced to, like, that's just, like, the most unfair thing ever. But it just would end up being. And there's a chance one of those teams could be the Red Sox or the Yankees, right, where you might win 90 games and you still might miss the postseason because you still might finish last place in your division. I still think, though, even though the Red Sox are in last, I mean, I don't know. I know when the Yankees were in last place, they had a better record than the Twins who were leading the AL Central. I don't know if it's the same now with the Red Sox if they have a better record than the Twins. I think they do. But, like, that's still outrageous. Like, you put the Red Sox in the AL Central, they'd be in first place, like, like, that, that's stupid, right? I think that this is the problem we're going to have all year, whether it's with the Red Sox or the Yankees or for any other fan base in the AL East, where even if you're in last place, you're still a really good team. You might have a little bit of a rough stretch. The Yankees had their little kind of rough run a couple weeks ago, especially without Judge. It was a little bit rough um, when they first lost him. 
but now they're kind of getting out of it a little bit. But it's still, like, they're still, what, five games over 500 or something like that. The Red Sox, even though they're struggling, they're still, what, four games over 500 right now? Like, the AL East and the fact of uh, being a last-place team in the AL East is the most, like, far-fetched idea ever because, yeah, might be in last place, but you're still only, like, a game out of the playoff spot. It's so early. I think I told John this. Where it's so early in the year, being first, second, third, fourth, fifth in this division doesn't mean anything until we get to like September. It literally doesn't because I there's because it's probably going to be first, second, third, and fourth in the wild card standings. So second through fifth oh, in this ahead. division. Um, so it, it's a little. So crazy. here's a question I want to ask uh, the panel because. The Yankees were, you know, kicking the can down the road until Aaron Judge came back. Now they're on the up and up. The Red Sox came off of a win streak and have, you know, kind of struggled since. As of today, Mother's Day, May 14th, folks are listening to this on May 15th. Which team is the better team in a 30-second spiel? Luke, go. Um, the Yankees are the better team when fully healthy. Um, the Red Sox are not far off from that. Um, if their if their starting pitching is going to resemble anything like what it's been the last two weeks, where it's everybody's good except Kluber and Pavetta. So I mean that's what it rides on. The Yankees are the Yankees are a really good. They're definitely a playoff team when healthy. Like when the vast majority of the team is healthy, and the Red Sox, I think, are a playoff team. If if this the past couple weeks is not an aberration, and their starting pitching is as good, at least Sale, Bayo, Paxton, and Hauk are as good as they have been. You know, the last couple times we've seen them. Oh, the Yankees are the better John. team, unquestionably. I think, well, I shouldn't say unquestionably. I think it is closer than I was anticipating this season. I thought the Red Sox were going to be worse than they are. The Red Sox are a legitimate threat. Um, but that being said, the pendulum is in the Yankees' favor. Uh, when we did our pendulum video uh, at the beginning of the season, I mentioned, I said the Yankees, it was like 7 o'clock, right? It's just a tick in the Yankees' favor. Other people thought it was 8, and I kind of got railed for it. got a hard time for that. But I think it's really starting to settle in. As the season settles in, it's pretty clear that this these two teams are really close. But I still think it's pendulum is a click in the Yankees' favor. Derek? I'm sorry, I just read something. The Reds, I saw the Cincinnati Reds are calling up top infield prospect, and I thought it was going to be Ellie De La Cruz, but it's not. All right. So, All right. So I, got, I almost jumped out of my seat, but it wasn't. No, I, I, these two teams are really close, like John said. Um, it's Here's the I think I think when you look at the active rosters, look who's injured right now, I think the injuries are playing more effect on the Red Sox right now than they are the Yankees. Um, I, I think the Yankees are I, are – both these teams are as good as they are in two totally different ways. I think the Yankees are maybe a little bit more top-heavy with Judge and Cole and guys like that. I think the Red Sox might be a little bit deeper, especially when they're healthy. Um, in terms of bottom of the order, who am I going to trust right now? If you're looking at 7-8-9 in the order, I'll take the Red Sox 7-8-9 over the Yankees 7-8-9. But you start looking, you know, 2-3-4. 
me, I might take the Yankees two, three, four, or the Red Sox two, three, four, if everyone's healthy. Um, Yankees rotation, like I'd take the top end of the rotation over the Red Sox top end. But you get to the I mean, if everyone's healthy and you're talking about a Red Sox back end with like a Bayo and Whitlock near the back end, I do like that back end of the rotation. Maybe not as much as the Yankees. I'm not 100 percent sure. But what I'm saying is, I think the Yankees are a little bit better roster wise. All right, 30 seconds. It was in supposed to be 30 seconds. Look at it on paper. But when you, but when you, but when you start to break the teams down, they're so very different. I think it's hard to compare them. Compare the two. All right. So here's what. We're- Here's what we're going to do. But I think on paper. Uh, we are going to, because I think this weekend has brought up a lot of, uh, at least on the Red Sox perspective, a lot of interesting questions about uh, the bullpen construction, relievers. I don't know the Yankees have been going through this. You know, what is Clay Holmes? Questions like that, right? Uh, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to have Luke and John both one through eight rank how much they trust the guys in their bullpen. I'm assuming number one's the guy they trust the most. Number eight, the guy they trust the least, right? And then after each guy has gone, Derek is going to give their uh, uh, power rankings a letter grade. So, John, you're stunk. You got a D minus. You get the idea, okay? So we're trying to keep it a little bit even on this show. We don't have two Red Sox examples. So, Luke, I'll have you go first. Give me eight to one. Let's do like a count up. Countdown. It'll be countdown. Okay. Uh, well, uh, number eight is the guy that's in right now, and this is good news. Ryan Brazier got brought in in the sixth inning while well, the Red Sox were down 4-1 to with the bases loaded. It's now 7-1, and he's still in there. So it, I'm hopeful that they're just letting him throw his arm out because he's going to be DFA'd once uh, Cutter Crawford comes off throw the IL. Throw four innings today. Throw four yeah. innings. Anyway, go ahead. Right. I mean, and I think he just gave up a two-run homer as well. Yes. So it's, um, yeah, he's, I think he's on his way out. So that's the only good thing I can say about Ryan Brazier. Nothing whatsoever has impressed me about him for about five years now, other than his talent for survival, somehow staying on the roster. There was like a two week stretch in September of 2021 where he was the best pitcher on the planet. He was untouchable and he was like my favorite guy going into the playoffs that year. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, he can tilt his head on right on out of here. Uh, number seven, I'm going to go with uh, Richard Blyer. I, I think Richard Blyer sucks. Uh, he has not looked impressive to me anytime he was out there. He came in that went the real rock bottom, that four-game sweep in Tampa. He came in to like with two outs, I think, to get a lefty out. He ended up giving up six runs, I think, in that inning. So I, I've not been impressed with him one bit. And he was the only lefty in the bullpen for quite a while. Uh, Cutter Crawford, I got as number six, which I think is a testament to how good I think this bullpen really is now. When he's off the IL, which will be this week, I love him as a long reliever. I like him as a a middle reliever that that could uh, be in a setup role if the bullpen is short. I think he's going to be a good starter, starting pitcher at some point in his career in the next couple of years. Number five, I'm going with Brennan Bernardino. Uh, seems like a competent lefty so far. He's done pretty well, uh, all in all. Uh, my number four, he would have been my number two until f- Friday happened. But uh, Josh Winkowski gets knocked down to four because he has to prove to me that he can recover 
from a horrible performance like he had on Friday. He's been lights out all year, which is really the only time he's been relied on as a uh, a middle reliever, setup type uh, reliever. So this is his first adversity, really, he's seen in that role. So I got to see him recover from that and move forward from it before I can um, you know, move him up past uh, number three who is Chris Martin. Uh, the guy throws strikes, which I love. He's a big, he's like six foot eight, he's an intimidating presence. He looks, I think that kind of throws hitters off about him. And he doesn't walk guys, which I love. Um, so Chris Martin's number three. Number two is my guy, John Schreiber. I consider him the captain of that bullpen. Uh, he's the best fireman they have. I think he's the best setup man that they have and my number one is still Kenley Jansen I mean he's been doing this for a long time he's a he's a pro he's still a great closer once he moves on from this but he's this is only the second time in his career he's ever blown back-to-back saves um and so the last time was years ago so it's a I still trust him I, I I could kill him right now for for bringing all that heat in Atlanta, knowing what it cost him on Friday and ended up costing us on Saturday. But, um, you know, he's still obviously the best reliever they have there. So he's got to take the number one ranking. Derek, give Luke's power rankings a letter grade. Well, cons- I didn't know he went and put Cutter Crawford in there. I mean, he's technically not in the bullpen. Um, he's technically injured, so I mean, I'm dock some points there. So um, I guess it's an incomplete or an L. Uh, either eight guys in the there are there are eight guys in the bullpen right now. You didn't include. Yeah, all he's going to be in the bullpen in two days. Brazier's not. I think Cutter Crawford. I think he ends up in the ro- I think he ends up in the rotation by the time the year's done, but. Um, I will say this, uh, Kenley. I still agree with being number one. I think Chris Martin should be two. I think Winkowski and Schreiber are three A, three B. Um, however you want to put them. So three or four, four three, whatever. It doesn't matter which order. Uh, then after that, I mean, it's a little bit. You know, Brazier's obviously. Well, right now they only have seven guys in the bullpen technically. Um, and Crawford's so coming back, so Brazier's there was nothing wrong with seven, me putting Crawford in six. There. All right, the letter grade so, is, is coming back too. So you're getting a you're B plus. A, oh, it's uh, freaking ridiculous. For, <laughs> I'm never no. I am not going to be. For not, I'm not for going to be judged, graded by this kid, by this person. <laughs> Absolutely, you get a B plus. You get a B plus. John, give me your Yankees. Bullpen power. I'm just letting you know right now in advance. So uh, I'm going to start with, I'm going to go top to bottom. So number one, most trusted guy in the Yankees bullpen right now is Wandy Peralta. Obviously, he's, he's been very reliable for the Yankees. You could bring him in in any situation. He's left-handed, but, he, you know, he can still get righties out. It's not like righties light him up or anything. So Wandy Peralta right now, my number one most trusted arm in the Yankees bullpen. Making a run at that is Michael King, who, you know, he's given up some runs. The Yankees bullpen hasn't, it's sort of really hot this season. It was inevitably, inevitably guys were going to start giving up runs. But Michael King, all in all, he's a really good arm out of the bullpen. He normally pitches pretty well under, uh, under pressure. And 
the fact that I think he has two saves for the Yankees already. So they're not, they haven't been afraid to kind of try him out. And yes, two saves for Michael King. So they tried him out in that, uh, in closing out games. And I can see him being the Yankees closer because you don't really want to put Wandy Peralta there because I said he's kind of a jack of all trades. You can pitch him when you need to. I think Michael King might be the Yankees' answer as far as the closer is concerned. So he's number two. Number three for the Yankees, is maybe a bit of a surprise, I'm surprised I'm even saying it, is Ian Hamilton. Ian Hamilton has pitched really, really well for the Yankees. I was, I had no idea who this guy was. Um, he's actually from Dover, New Hampshire, which is cool. That's good to know. Uh, somewhat local kid. And at least local in a sense of Bleacher Brawls, being that we're Yankees and Red Sox fans, and he's up in Dover, New Hampshire. But anyway, point... Okay, that I was gonna say that is way too much of a stretch. Yeah, to no, no, I just mean local, local as far as Bleacher Brawls is concerned. <laughs> Considering it started in Manchester, New Hampshire, I feel like Dover is somewhat local for Bleacher Brawls. But Ian Hamilton is my number three guy in the Yankees bullpen. This guy has been good. Uh, I had no idea who he was when he came to the Yankees this season, and he has impressed me. <clears throat> number four is Ron Marinaccio, uh, a Jersey kid, grew up a Yankees fan. Obviously, Yankee fans really like this guy, and he's pitched well. He's right-handed, but lefties really struggle against him, so he's kind of considered a second lefty arm out of the bullpen for the Yankees. Uh, they have not been afraid to deploy him in pressure situations where he's pitched really well. Uh, good amount of strikeouts for Marinaccio, it feels like, too. I'm not. I'm just saying that off the top of my head. I might be wrong, but yeah, 22 strikeouts in 17 innings. Yeah, I mean, I, I, he's been really good. So that's the top tier of the Yankees bullpen. Those are your top four guys. And so as I list five through eight, I don't want these guys to really... There's a gap there between... Um, Four and five. When five for me right now is Jimmy Cordero, who is actually, again, another guy in the Eagles bullpen, maybe not that well-known, but has pitched well in the role they've given him. Seven is Clay Holmes, because Clay Holmes has not found what he had at the beginning of last season. It's just gone. Uh, the Red Sox did not break him, Luke. I see it. You're about to say it. It didn't happen. Uh, but Clay Holmes has struggled, and... Even yesterday, when he came in the game, it was a close game. I'm like, oh, God, like, Clay Holmes is pitching. I, I literally couldn't watch. I just had to follow my phone. Like, I cannot watch Clay Holmes pitch. It just gives me too much anxiety. He just isn't what he, we saw him be at one point. He can come out and have really good outings. He can, but he also can have really bad outings. And you just never know what you're getting with the guy. So he's number six. How did you feel about Clay Holmes before he got Verdugo'd last year? How did you feel when Clay Holmes was coming out of the bullpen before Yeah, Verdugo see, that had nothing to do with anything because season. what really happened was we rated him higher than he should have been in the tier list, and he started struggling then, and a couple nights later, you know, you... Before he started Verdugo, struggling. He, he was started struggling before then. Verdugo. So do you don't even... No, no, no. No, you know who really got broke? Aaron Hicks so you broke Chris Sale last year, Luke. That actually happened, all right? Chris, Clay Holmes was not done for the season after facing Alex Verdugo. Chris Sale was done for the season after facing Aaron Hicks, of all people, Aaron Hicks. So, anyway. Anyway, true. number seven is Nick Ramirez. I'm not yelling. <laughs> all right. No, go ahead. 
Yeah. Number <laughs> seven is Nick Ramirez. We more, right? Finish the list. The 40-man roster. <laughs> and number eight is Damian Garcia, who's not currently on the 40-man roster, but I'd love to see him back. Pitched well in an outing the other day. Well, not great, but pitched okay in an outing the other day. And I'd love to see the Yankees give this guy a chance, considering how much they have invested in him. So he just oh, picked the guy who's not on the 40-man. So Our if he gets a better grade than yeah. me. They're both on the 40-man, So not he gets a D-minus. Right? I'm sorry. I, I, I don't think clearly. I, I'm a father. I'm not on the 26-man. I'm the 26-man. <laughs> To, it, because because he because you know, because John knows Albert Breu Ryan Weber not great and Ryan Weber is basically just like a can of dog crap, so exactly the point. Red Sox fans had to deal with him in 2020. Never. Again. Oh my God, I forgot um, about him until I, you said John, that. You I said like I, I like just this. had like I was like oh my God, that's right. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he's go on ahead. the Yankees now. Oh he's my God, I missed that. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah he he's the Brazier. The Red Sox in June. For my birthday, my birthday's June 16th. The Red Sox play the Yankees on June 16th. For my birthday, the Yankees should have to start him, and he has to pitch by Anyway, days. give him his rating. That his is great. Present, okay? Um, John said I wouldn't like this. If I had Wandy Peralta 1, I had I had Michael, Michael King 2, I had Ian Hamilton 3. So, I agree with the top 3. Um, who'd you have 4? You had... Marinaccio four. I agree with that. I would flip flop Holmes and Cordero though. I would have had Holmes five, Cordero six, um, just because I feel like Holmes is still pitching later innings, more high leverage. Cordero still a little bit more kind of middle relief. Um, and then seven and eight. I mean, out of the guys technically in the bullpen, Abreu and Weber, but Weber's doesn't even matter. He's he's garbage. And Abreu, he's the clear seven. Um, so I totally, I pretty much almost agree with John. I gave Luke a C, but if we want to go on Pat's grading scale of a B plus, John gets an A. If we're doing that grading scale, if we're doing my grading scale of Luke getting <laughs> it's a C, ridiculous. John gets a B. It's absolutely ridiculous because I had Schreiber ahead of Martin, <laughs> and and because I included Cutter Crawford, who will be off the injured list in about two days. And Joel Rodriguez will be off the injured list before him, so if you want to this, he's the worst list, grader ever. <laughs> Pat, you're a teacher. You can't you can't stand he's Hey, I'm the type of grader when I get my own paper. He's doing teacher, such a disservice a to your career, care. to your people. I want to. I want him to be sanctioned by whatever teachers union uh, represents you. And to sum up, so Clay Holmes him. was very you, one could say Clay Holmes was fully intact until Alex Verdugo came along. And after that, he was no longer completely intact. So It's called coincidence. It's not called hitting a ball off not broken, and literally breaking a man. It's called coincidence. <laughs> I didn't yell when you said that. Hicks is just doing the Red Sox a favor to get them a better draft pick last year, okay? The Red Sox screwed it, though. They should have had the whatever pick the Twins got in the lottery because they beat, they swept the Rays. I turned off the game. Did I'm Brazier stay in that. after giving up that two-run homer? Yes. He's uh, gone. Uh, He's gone. So, yeah. Oh, Jordan Hicks. That's, what, that's how Ryan Weber left, actually. He left Boston. He gave up, like, ten runs 
in a relief in relief <laughs> appearance, and the next day he got DFA'd. Although Jordan Hicks just came in for the Cardinals, so I'm happy about that because I like Jordan Hicks. So right now Brazier's at two and a third for the He's last given him place three Red earned Sox. runs. His ERA is seven point two nine. Okay, seven point two nine ERA. Last place Red Sox. So the Red Sox have been swept by a team that. Looking at the box score, how many? By the, the last place Red Sox, the He's last place Red Sox pitches. have just been swept by a team that was thirteen and twenty five before they came into Fenway this Park. This team has Goldschmidt, Arenado. Uh, Miklas should not be bad. I mean, like, New Bar's pretty good. Like, this team, like, I'm not upset by losing to this team. Contreras, yeah. Contreras, I'm not. You know, Listen, if we guys swept by the A's, I'd be pissed. But. Nolan, Nolan Gorman was a top All prospect. Right. Anyway. And, and notice, and then, speaking like, of the A's, when the hell do we play them? Because we still haven't played any bad teams, I feel like, July. except the Tigers in July. early early in the Before season. The and now, and we still got Seattle coming tomorrow, and then we got L.A. and San Diego and um, the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Arizona, who's actually good. Um, we play Oakland July 7th, 8th, and 9th, which is the series before the All-Star break. And then the week after the All-Star break, we go out to Oakland and play them again July 17th, 18th, and 19th. Three and three. Anyway, uh, let's wrap it, guys. That was – I don't know if fun is the word I no, would use. It's, it's a word fun. you could use, My voice you know, nothing but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. It's been real. It's been fun, but it hasn't been real fun. Uh, yeah, let's wrap it up. Uh, a couple Yankees plugs. Pitching, one thing we didn't address enough, Yankees starting pitching got worked by Tampa this weekend, so I, I mentioned that. I that did let's say acknowledge the pitching that been down, The starting pitching has been on a downturn, and while you actually brought up a good point, because I have to, I know I have to address the Carlos Rodon's wife thing, all right, or like the Carlos Rodon situation. During the week, it was said he had a chronic back issue, and they didn't think he was going to pitch. And then his wife's going to Twitter, and I'm killing his wife for saying, "Why are you getting involved?" And now it's coming out that actually she probably was telling the truth, and the Yankees are just being the Yankees about this injury. I have no idea what's going on. I don't know if we'll ever see this guy pitch. I, and it might just be because the Yankees signed him just to not let him pitch. I don't know what's going on right now, but if I unfairly criticized his wife, I apologize because it sounds like there might be more going on to the situation than it seemed like earlier in the week. But it was funny because someone said something. It was a response to something on Twitter. Well, what was some who whatever reporter probably um, what's his name Heyman Cashman's boy? Um, I think said yeah he has chronic back he has chronic back issues and I think his wife was responding to that saying like and, and like he's not going to be starting anytime soon and I think she responded to that saying like that's not true I see him in the gym every day he's not hurt but it's like. It's like someone saying, like, yeah, he's not going to be running a marathon anytime soon. And then someone chimes in, like, that's not true. I see him walk up and down steps all the time. It's like, just because you're at the gym every day, I can go to the gym. I can go to the gym and do the elliptical for eight minutes. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm about to be a, a starting pitcher in the major leagues again. So both things can be true. He could be hitting the gym like crazy, but in no position to be pitching. The report was that the Yankees, that there, the the report was that there were rumors inside the Yankees that there were people concerned that he might not be able to pitch this year. 
that people in the Yankees are And you're going to hear about all these things and more on the Yankees episode on Tuesday. It's other things we can plug. I have my... Uh, ranking Simpsons episodes, baseball episodes of The Simpsons coming out on BleacherBrawls.com tomorrow. There are five different baseball-themed episodes of The Simpsons. I watched them all last week. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Derek, the YouTube channel, what, what can you plug there? Uh, for the YouTube channel, we got Yankees videos every Tuesday, Red Sox videos every Friday. We have been doing quizzes or tier lists every Wednesday, but we may or may not move that around. Maybe get some extra stuff, other stuff in there too. Um, we'll see where it goes. Um, we have like uh, we've recently moved to Riverside, so we're still working some things out with that. So Wednesday videos may stay the same. They may change. We may just add more things into. I think that, that Valium starting to but kick it'll in. Be fun anyways. Fun Riverside, stuff. the thing that is just picked up john's fan this entire episode uh other things we can plug anything else um john plugged it earlier so thank you for that but my my uh x-men starting nine it's just the heroes not x-men characters my x-men starting nine went up on friday so check that out on bleacherbrawls.com unless you're a fan of cyclops you may not want to check it out <laughs> and I may finally be writing about baseball on BleachBrawls.com, which hasn't happened. It's only happened like two weeks uh, so Twitter, at Bleacher Brawl, uh, TikTok, Bleacher Brawls, all the places you can find things, you can find us, all of our individual uh, Twitter descriptions, or Twitter uh, uh, names, whatever I'm trying to say, are in the description of this. Uh, wherever you're listening to this, rate us five stars, leave us a nice review, hit subscribe. We got uh, stuff three days a week. Uh, rivalry shows on Monday, Yankee shows on Wednesdays, Red Sox shows on Friday. You won't miss a single one. And this Thursday's Red Sox show is the one-year anniversary of the Bleacher Brawls podcast. I got a fun uh, one uh, first birthday celebration planned for Thursday, so you don't want to miss it. I'm going to call it here, guys. So for John, for Luke, for Derek, my name is Pat. Thank you guys for listening. Check us out on all those places, and we will see you next time. And Casas is hitting well. All right, folks. All right, folks. That's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars, and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on BleacherBrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter.